Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you? I've got a little bit of a a man voice today. I've had a bit of a a chest cough, you know? So I'm sorry if I sound a little scratchy or manly today. But the good news is that um, I've been coughing and I did sprints the other day. (laughs) Every time I cough, I can feel the soreness in my abs from my sprints. And I have to say, I kind of love that. <laughs> like They're working. Yes. I love doing sprints. I always feel sore in my nether regions, you know, like the places you never feel sore, like my abs and my inner thighs. And so sprints are really powerful. If you have never tried to incorporate them, such an easy thing to do. Because you all know I walk like five or six days a week. And so just, I try to pick at least one, just one day, really, I do them one time a week. And when I'm walking, I just like, okay, sprint from mailbox to mailbox, you know, or sprint down this whole street. I don't really have a a timing mechanism or anything like that. I just kind of run as fast as I can until I'm pooped out. And then I take a little break and do it again. So that action is really good for your body, good for fat burning. So maybe you want to try some sprints. Okay, today I want to talk about the secrets to eating grains and legumes. And I want to share with you why I choose white rice over brown, why I'm not a big fan of quinoa, and why a French lady made me think twice about eating corn. There is a lot of nutrition advice in favor of eating whole grains. And while that seems sound and reasonable, it's actually creating a lot of health issues for people. Whole does not always equal wholesome and good for you. If you enjoy eating grains and legumes, it's important to know how to maximize their benefit and minimize their problems. Because yes, grains and legumes do present problems and they may be a root cause of your health issues. I'm not saying you can't eat them. You just need to know the best way to eat them. So let me start with this question for you. What kind of rice do Asian people eat? Well, it ain't brown. Once you think about it, you're probably like, oh, that's right. They do eat white rice. Most Asian people eat white rice and they have for thousands of years. They've practiced this ancient wisdom of removing the outer bran, which is what makes it brown. They've done that for generations because they know that it contains certain compounds that are problematic for the body. And yet we are told to eat brown rice because it's better for us. It's a whole grain and it has vitamins and minerals. But what's ironic 
is that it also has anti-nutrients, okay? And these anti-nutrients can prevent you from absorbing the nutrients, the vitamins and minerals that, that we're told to eat the brown rice for, okay? In fact, the anti-nutrients present in the brand of brown rice can be the thing that leads to mineral deficiencies and poor bone health. All right. What most people don't realize is that plant foods have anti-nutrients, which are meant to be purposefully problematic to whatever or whomever tries to eat them. Okay. Anti-nutrients like phytic acid and lectins can wreak havoc on your digestion and block your body's ability to absorb nutrients. So you're probably confused, you're like, wait, I thought plants are good for us. How could these sweet little plants hurt me? Why would they wanna hurt me? Well, just because like all living things on earth, just like humans, just like animals, plants want to live and reproduce. That's how they're designed. You know, the thing with plants is they don't have claws and teeth or fast legs to fight back or run away from their predators. Um, their version of a defense system are these anti-nutrients, okay? And so these sweet little plant foods hope that if you eat them, you'll have such embarrassing gas or joint pain or migraines or sinus infections or constant diarrhea so that you'll stop eating them, right? That's their defense plan. Anti-nutrients are present in most plant foods, but some are worse than others, and grains and legumes are pretty high, it's one of the reasons that the paleo diet became so popular because, um, you know, it does not include grains or legumes in that diet. And so when people went on the paleo diet and cut out a lot of these foods, they just, they felt so much better in different areas of their health. So that was a real light bulb for people. We have to remember that these are agriculture foods, you know, these grains, legumes, they're agriculture foods. They're all carbohydrates. And they're fairly newer to the diet than vegetables and fruits. Okay, so when I say newer, I mean like they've been around for like 10,000 years. But they still came later in the carbohydrate pecking order. You know, first we had veggies and fruits. Then we had grains and legumes. And then more recently, we have all of the processed carbohydrates. Okay, so these are kind of the three big categories of carbohydrates, which is exactly why I designed um, Feast to Fast in the way I did. What we do in that program um, that I do with people is we kind of take this little trip through carbohydrate history and we add in a new level of carbs to mindfully approach each week. So the first week, we only include real food carbohydrates, okay, the veggies and the fruits. The second week, we bring in the whole food carbs. That's the, those are the things we're talking about today, the grains and the legumes. And then the last two weeks of Feast of Fast, we bring in the heck yeah carbs, the not so healthy processed foods like, you know, like chips and cookies and things that are, are not good for us, but that we don't want, don't want to have to give up for forever, so this is the education and discernment process we go through in Feast to Fast so that I can help you better understand what works for your body and what is worth your carb load. You know, this is the kind of the secret to the food piece part in Feast to Fast. It really helps people be very successful and confident in their carb choices. 
um, which leads not only to weight loss, but to just feeling so much better overall. You know, I don't tell people they can't eat grains or legumes. I just help them make the best choice for themselves. Okay, so today is really about sharing some of that insight with you. This knowledge is powerful, but it's even more powerful when you put it into practice. So I encourage you to join us for a round of Feast to Fast. I get a lot of feedback from people that it is life-changing for them. In fact, I just had a Feast to Faster tell me that she has now lost 20 pounds and been able to manage her arthritis so much better with her diet. And that is just what it's all about, y'all. The thing about these agriculture foods which most people don't realize is that our ancestors, um, these different cultures prepared them in ways that minimized the anti-nutrient effects, okay? Like the Asians removing the outer brand of the rice. But in our modern culture, you know, convenience is king. And we've gotten away from that wisdom and that commitment to preparing our foods in the best way for our bodies. So I'm going to share how to shortcut some of these processes and also give you some specific things to look for if you are including grains and legumes in your diet. Okay, so let's get back to the rice. All right, if you're going to eat rice, follow the lead of the Asian culture and choose white. And if you want to get the least problematic and most beneficial white rice, get white basmati rice from India. Okay, there's also a basmati rice that comes from Texas. And you know, as much as I love my great state, that's not the one you want to get, you want to get the white basmati rice from India, it has the lowest lectin content and lectins are one of these anti nutrients we're talking about. And it has the most resistant starch. So resistant starch is a carbohydrate that resists digestion in the small intestine and ferments in the large intestine. It's, um, it's good for feeding your good gut bacteria. Okay, it's what we would consider a prebiotic. So the difference between probiotics and prebiotics is that probiotics are the actual bacteria we introduce into our guts and prebiotics are the foods that we feed them. And this white basmati rice from India is a good source of resistant starch, which acts as a prebiotic, all right? Okay, now let's talk about oats um, because so many people love their oatmeal. The best oats to eat are steel cut oats because they are the most minimally processed. Um, They have more dense fiber content and they digest slower in the body, which means they turn to sugar less quickly and keep you full longer. Processed oats will spike your blood sugar more rapidly and be less dense in your body, meaning you'll feel hungry sooner, okay? The more quickly you can cook your oats, the less healthy they are for you. So keep in mind as we're talking about all of the grains and legumes today, um, that they are all carbohydrates and all carbohydrates turn to sugar in the body, okay? This is why you have to be mindful and discerning about your choices, okay? We think of, of carbohydrates as the obvious things like, bread and, you know, cookies and pasta and stuff like that. But everything we're talking about today and even vegetables and fruits are all carbohydrates. And so that is why you have to be really mindful of this carb load. Okay, it adds up quickly. Now, um, oats contain anti nutrients like we've been talking about. So ideally, it's best to soak them before you cook them. And if you really want to help your body digest and process oats better, 
it's best to soak oats in a little bit of something acidic like whey or a splash of vinegar. I know that sounds weird. That's like ancestral practices, you know, that's something they would have done to help break down the phytic acid and free up some of the nutrients for our body to use. Now, the good news is oats are naturally gluten-free, but the bad news is, is that they can become contaminated with gluten depending on the way they are grown and manufactured. So, um, you know, be sure to look for gluten-free oats. If you do eat oats or your family eats oats, um, consider stirring in some collagen to give it a little protein boost. That's what I do when I serve it to my family. And also add a healthy fat like coconut oil or butter to help keep a blood sugar regulated. So adding, you know, a protein and a fat to um, the oatmeal, which is a carbohydrate, um, is what helps the body um, slow down the way it turns to sugar, you know, so that you don't get that, that sugar spike and then be starving a few hours later. So, you know, again, the carbohydrates, you know, are what make us sugar burners. And, you know, the fat, ha adding that fat and that protein is going to slow that down and just keep things grounded a little bit, okay? It could just help you feel full, slow things down. And so you're, you know, eat oatmeal at 7 and then at 9.30 or 10, you're like, oh, I need to eat again, all right? Give it a little more oomph with some protein and some fat. I rarely eat oatmeal. Um, it's just not how I want to spend my carb load. You know, but if I do, it's definitely going to have some collagen and a dab of butter in it. Okay, um, speaking of things <laughs> that are not worth my carb load, let's talk about quinoa. Um, I mean, no disrespect to the quinoa lovers out there, um, but there are about a million other carbohydrates I'd rather have than quinoa. Now, quinoa is actually classified as a pseudo grain and not not a straight up grain because it's more seed than grain, which is also true of buckwheat and amaranth. But pseudo grains also have anti-nutrients. Um, and the thing is, you know, quinoa is often pushed as, a, as healthy because it's a good source of protein. Um, a lot of vegans and vegetarians rely on quinoa to get protein. And as far as grains go, it is a better choice from an amino acid standpoint, which is, you know, what we're trying to get from our protein. But make no mistake, okay, quinoa is a carb, not a protein. So when you eat it, you're getting a lot more carb than you are protein. This is why I advise people to really evaluate it, evaluate, um, you know, if it's worth eating. I mean, don't eat it because you hear it's healthy. Um, you know, and if you hear it's a healthy protein, you're going to get so much more bang for your buck um, in getting your protein from an animal food. And then, you know, saving your carbohydrate load for something that you like better. You know, now if you're a vegan or vegetarian, then it makes more sense. Um, but, you know, if you are eating quinoa, understand that it's high in anti-nutrients, which could be problematic to health in the long run. And that's the thing. You know, these anti-nutrients may or may not cause acute health distress, but they undoubtedly can wear down your health in a cumulative way over time. You know, maybe, you know, over time, it might be preventing you from absorbing important vitamins and minerals. And, you know, and then one day you get dosed, diagnosed with osteoporosis and your doctor wants to throw a bunch of calcium at it, but that's not really the root of the problem, you know? So even if you've been eating in what you consider a healthy way, these anti-nutrients could be one of the reasons getting older hits you so hard. You know, it can be kind of this slow build to poor health. Now, quinoa originated in South America, 
And the native Incas had a three-step process for preparing it, okay? They soaked it, they fermented it, and then they cooked it. And this helped remove the anti-nutrients so it wouldn't be so hard on their bodies, you know? And it helped to make the vitamins and minerals more available. But what do we do? We like, we get a box of quinoa and boil it for, you know, eight to 10 minutes and call it done. And that's just not so helpful for your body. But here's some good news for you quinoa lovers. Um, you can pressure cook it to help remove the lectins. Um, so if you're gonna eat quinoa, use a pressure cooker uh, like an instant pot, instant pot to prepare it, and that will really help. Okay, another food you can use the pressure cooker shortcut for is beans. Um, have you ever picked up a pack of dried beans and, you know, read the instructions on the back to soak them for 12 to 24 hours and been like, nah, I ain't got time for that. Well, my friend, you know what the children say. Beans, beans, the musical fruit. Fail to soak, you're gonna toot. <laughs> That's the way I sing it. Um, and it could be worse than just a toot. So you might want to... Um, consider pressure cooking your beans. If you don't have time for that long soak, um, you know, they also give you that option for the quick soak. You would be better off just to throw them in your pressure cooker and cook them that way and it will remove a lot of the anti-nutrients. And beans are also a good source of resistant starch. So when pre prepared properly, you know, they can be a really helpful um, food that's good for your gut bugs. Um, so which is good for overall health. Okay, let's talk about corn. So listen to this. In the year 1900, the French banned corn as unfit for human consumption and only allowed it to fatten pigs. Yep, to fatten up the animals, which is exactly what is done today. Most meat that you buy in the store comes from animals that were fed corn and soy to fatten them up. And that's not good for the animal or for you. Most animals are not designed to eat corn and soy. You know, it's not their natural God-given diet. And this can make them sick and often require antibiotics, which also get passed on to you. It's why it's so much better for you to buy grass-fed beef, pastured chicken and pork, and wild-caught fish. You know, when, when animals eat what they were designed to eat, they pass on some very wonderful nutrients to us, but when they are fed an unnatural diet of soy and corn, it creates problems for them and for us. And also, you know, you need to know that if you say, um, if you buy organic beef or organic eggs, that does not mean they have not eaten soy or corn. It just means they've eaten organic soy and corn which, you know, is definitely a better step in the right direction. But again, that's not their, the, not their natural diet. You know, it's not what they thrive upon. It's not what's best for their, um, their design. So just keep that in mind. You know, we have to realize that a lot of these agriculture foods, you know, one reason they were so prized is because they could be counted on to fatten people up, you know, in times of low food supply. I remember reading this exact thing in, um, in French Women Don't Get Fat. I love that book. And the author was basically like, uh, yeah, corn is so not très chic. <laughs> you know, it's used to fatten up animals. So we need to keep that in mind, friends. You know, if you don't need fattening up, you may want to avoid these, uh, these foods. 
Uh, corn is a grain that is high in anti-nutrients. Traditionally, ancient cultures soaked corn and corn flour in lime water, and this helped release some vitamins that would otherwise stay bound up because of the anti-nutrients. And I'm going to guess that you are not soaking your corn products in lime water or that the ones that you are buying have not been soaked in lime water. Um, so you're probably consuming a lot of um, corn with, you know, these anti-nutrients that are really problematic, um, like tortilla chips, you know, which I, I admittedly love. I love tortilla chips. Um, corn is, you know, it's in so many processed foods and, you know, again, it's just part of the reason those will fatten you up quickly, but corn is especially problematic because it is now a genetically modified plant. All right. Genetically modified plants have been genetically engineered to resist drought and pests and herbicides. You know, that's helpful for the farmer. Okay. But not helpful for us. It just creates a whole new level of problems for our bodies, um, which is actually still being discovered. They don't even know the extent to it yet. I mean, but this is probably something they should research before they allow it to happen in our food system. But that's unfortunately not the way it goes. Um, but these um, being genetically modified, you know, it's kind of like man's homemade version of anti-nutrients that they, you know, <laughs> breed into the plant. You know, if a plant's natural built-in anti-nutrients are hard on a, our body, can you imagine the man-made version? You know, these plants are genetically modified to deter pests and chemicals. I mean, so what do you think that defense mechanism does when it gets in our body? Um, we know that it can negatively alter the microbiome, you know, which is kind of the balance of our gut bacteria. And that alone is a reason not to consume genetically modified anything. Um, but definitely be looking um, for non-GMO corn if you're going to eat it. You should assume that corn is genetically modified unless it says non-GMO or organic on the label. Okay, so corn is in a lot, a lot of things. And, you know, most of it is genetically modified. And so you're just kind of getting a whammy from so many directions. Plus, corn is one of the top allergens. You know, it's just, it's problematic all the way around. So tread very lightly with corn. Now, some of the other foods we address and bring in during week two of Feast of Fast are lentils, chickpeas, millet, and sorghum. The last two, millet and sorghum, seem kind of random, but they're the only grains that do not contain lectins, you know, one of those problematic anti-nutrients. So they're kind of good from the get-go, and they might be a better and easier option for somebody um, that likes grains. Um, you know, I think of grains, I think one thing that draws us to a lot of these grains are just kind of a good filler food. You know, we're like, what else are we going to put on our plate? You know, we want our, <laughs> want our meat and we want our starch and we want some vegetables. Um, you know, the best kind of starchy carbohydrate would be like a potato or sweet potato. Those are real food carbohydrates. Um, but I think a lot of times we're just trying to find economical fillers you know, to feed all of our people. <laughs> and so um, like, oh my gosh, y'all, I have, my boys are just in the stage, they're eating the house down, holy guacamole. So I get it, you know, I get that it really helps stretch out the meals and that's fine. Just, you know, take precautions here um, with this kind of stuff. Um, 
Lentils and chickpeas are a part of the legume family. So, you know, like beans, they need to be soaked or pressure cooked to remove the bad stuff. Um, a few agriculture foods I am not going to talk about today are wheat and soy. Because, like, they need their whole own podcast episode. <laughs> They're a big topic. But I can tell you that I highly deter people from eating those foods because they are multifaceted in the potential problems that they can cause for a body. You know, it's not something I recommend my Feast of Fasters reintroduce at all. Um, again, you know, ultimately it is up to each individual individual person. But if I had a dime for every person that reintroduced wheat and regretted it, I'd like, I'd be rolling in some serious coin. People often realize it is just not worth it. Another thing that I want you to take away from today is that, you know, not only are we not taking the measure to prepare our foods in the way that our bodies can better handle, but we're also in this game with less robust gut health to deal with them. So our ancestors weren't exposed to all of the pesticides and drugs and chemicals and toxins, just all of these things that you know, are just coming at us so much today. We have to deal with a lot. Their bodies would have been much more resilient as it is, but now that the vast majority of people have deep-rooted gut problems, whether they know it or not, we're less equipped to deal with grains and legumes, you know, especially with all of the anti-nutrients intact. So it's just something that, you know, to think about and be aware of. I mean, like I said, I love me some tortilla chips, um, but grains and processed foods do not make up the majority of my diet. You know, real foods do. When I do eat this stuff, I make the best upgraded choices I can. You know, whether it's the non-GMO corn or white Indian basmati rice. You know, plus I take some digestive enzymes to just help my body kind of break things down more efficiently. Again, these are the kinds of things that we learn in Feast to Fast. You know, I've given you some of the insider tips from there today. But going through the program is just so helpful and effective for people. Part of my goal is to save you time and money by being a good and direct source of information, you know, that gets you results that work in the long term. So come join us for the Lent round of Feast to Fast, which is six weeks instead of four, but the same price. So it's really valuable. Um, we just go longer for Lent. Um, we focus on the health of our bodies as holy temples, and we focus on our Jesus. You know, it's just especially beautiful during the season of Lent. So come join us. You can sign up at www.feasttofast.co to get in on this very special round. I would love to see you in the group. Okay, my friends, I hope this was helpful. Hopefully, um, I gave you some practical tips that you can, you know, make some, some changes um, if you're eating some of this stuff. Um, so thanks for listening, and I hope you have a healthy and blessed week. Hi, everyone. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.